this fucking Google, Julie. Why wouldn't a search be included? That's what makes us a great duo. Yes. One of us listens, one of us doesn't. Exactly. (laughs) Sometimes scary, but always fun. (laughs) Yeah, you're never sure if you should take your hands off and put them up in the air or hang on tight. Uh, Read my fucking headline, Bozo the Clown. I'm already a best-selling author. Welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. I'm Julie. He's Corey. Defeat the Chaos is a show about the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur. Whether you're looking for direction on how to be a more successful entrepreneur, or if you're just looking for someone to share in the struggles, this is the show for you. On today's show, we welcome Stephanie Becker. Stephanie is the founder of the nonprofit Better Together. Better Together was formed from the desire that all children, not just those with a well-known illness, deserve access to resources and support. As the executive director of Better Together, Stephanie is driven to achieve the vision that the families of children with medical complexity are all supported. This was started as a true passion project for Stephanie. Stephanie's going to join us for the second half of the show, but before she joins us, Let's see what me and Corey can get into. How are you doing this morning, Corey? I'm tired. Yeah, you look tired. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long couple of weeks. It has. And you know what sucks is when you do a forward look and you don't see an end to it. You're just like, oh my God, this is my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been pretty crazy. I was talking to uh, a, a colleague in the uh, the restaurant industry and she was... She was in, she's like, oh, yeah, so uh, no days off, right? And I'm like, yep. She's like, when's your first day off? I'm like, 4th of July. Oh, you're closed? Yep. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's but, a hey, bummer. Whatever. This is what I signed up for. I'm not complaining. It kind of sounds like you are. No, not at all. I'm just tired. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't bring it with the heat like you in the mornings. That's well. Takes, I am. I am a morning person. Yeah, it takes me. It takes me a little while to, uh, to to warm up in the mornings. Yeah, I know. You want me to do most of the talking? Yeah, here? I might just take a nap. So. <laughs> so listen, you've been open for let's 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 talk. You want to talk about the restaurant a little bit? Sure. All right. You've been open for a couple of weeks now, mm-hmm. and it. It, what what has surprised you the most since you have been since you opened since you officially opened? What has surprised you the most? There honestly haven't been any surprises. Um, I mean, yeah, minor, minor surprises. Uh, and, and well, the, surprise can be good. Well, yeah, but we've we've done well. Uh, we've no ha- surprise there. Yes, um, you know everybody's excited for it. The food's been good. The service has been good. Uh, Everything, everything. I mean, it's already becoming a well-oiled machine as it should be. Um, there are a lot of things that I neglected that I just simply didn't have time for, or people who were supposed to be taking care of them weren't taking care of them. That, um, again, not surprised, um, and I'm having to deal with that now. But again, it's dealing with the axe in your forehead, and and that was getting open, getting a staff, making sure that we could at least get our menu out successfully. And people were trained in the front to deliver good customer service, product, et cetera, to to the customers. And and that's what we're doing. So all of the back end stuff that got neglected and, and um, just got overlooked is now 
getting dealt with. Nice, but it's still it's good to hear that it's a well oiled becoming a well oiled machine. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and it's uh, it's always going to be a work in progress, but sure, you know, like every um, most like businesses every- are. Right. Indeed, they are. SB Pace is still a work in progress. Correct. Yeah. Um, what anything disappointed you so far? Um, humanity. Yeah. Humanity in general. People in general. Yeah. Have people have have customers, patrons been patient with service and they I mean, yes, yes. Um, uh, by and large, they haven't had a need to be patient because we've been able to knock it out of the part for the most part. Um, there's plenty of little mistakes here and there, which sure. we're, we're getting the benefit of the doubt. It's like, oh, they're new and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, we've had one one table um, that they, they didn't like anything that they got. And they weren't interested in trying anything else. And, and they, they said basically that this wasn't what we were expecting. And in my mind, they thought Mexican restaurant, they were probably thinking like, you know, slop of like rice and crappy beans on the side and, you know, whatever. Like, like it, it's different because it's not a, I mean, it's Mexican, but it's Baja Mexican, et cetera. Um, but we were able to smooth that over to the point where one of the women at the table is like, oh, you know, I work around the corner. I'll be back to try it again for lunch one day. So. That's good. That's good. Um, what about supply chain issues? Having any? Um, everything's good there. You're able to get liquor, fo- all the food you need, everything? No, no. Supply chain issues are, are an issue. Oh, okay. Um, well, so can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. What's that look like for you? Well, so for instance, um, liquor, there's no there's no guarantee that you're going to get anything. So uh, Virginia BC just recently, over the past couple of years, uh, has instituted this new system, which is actually really cool, way better than when I was doing liquor years ago. But you can actually go in and see a store's inventory, mm-hmm. and you can you can place orders at different stores. And so, we, oh, that's nice. We can go in and see what they have in stock, and place an order at one store, and see what another store has, and place an order, you know, place multiple orders across different stores. Uh, there's some limitations in that, but by and large, it's, that's nice. But for the, there are, there's just th- issues with stocking mm. alcohol right now. And so the, um, you know, there's certain things that we just can't get, which is fine. Um, cause we, there's still things that we can substitute when it comes to food. It's the same deal. You can see like all of the orderings online. So when you place an order, you can see what's, what's in stock, what's not in stock and, and you just have to pick something else. Mm, okay. But that's it for your, uh, nothing like super detrimental. No, not right now. We'll see. Good. See All what's right. going on. All right. The world never ceases to. Uh, never, you know, because now we're dealing with monkeypox. Yes. Well, you want to talk about that for a minute? That, uh, that. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, it's, I think it's. There's so many like conspiracy theories swirling in my head, and I just think that this is the the media driving another scare so that they can continue to make ad money. That's interesting. Like it, there, there's you know governments are like they're go, you know already quarantining and getting prepared for this outbreak and whatever. Like, but I mean, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a bunch of bullshit. It's just it's it's there. This is where terrorism was 
so 2020 or 20, you know, the 2000s. We're in the year of pa- like the decade of pandemics now. So yeah, that's gotta, I don't I, I don't think we can do this for a decade. Stay scared, America. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's more political in nature. You know, midterms are coming up, so we got to do something. But I don't buy into the hype. I'm not afraid of monkeypox, and I will not be taking a vaccine. Like that's all I'm going to say. I will not be doing it. So sure. Yeah. All right. What's going on with you, Julie? Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> the we got the just, you know, plugging away over here at SB Pace and Certivium. And I was looking this morning at um, our client roster and I'm like, dang, we have more clients right now than we've ever had in the history of the company. Right. So that's pretty good. And um, I think, you know, in large part, there's a lot to be said for. Uh, not being stressed about, like I'm not focused on it, which I mean, I am, I'm always thinking about, you know, what, what's next? What are we doing now? You know, well, who's in building the pipeline for sales, which, you know, you got to do, you got to have a sales strategy and build that pipeline. But I don't, I'm not like freaking out over like, Oh my God, we got to sign somebody. We got to sign somebody. We got to sign somebody. And um, it's just, you know, happening organically i guess i would you know we could say which is it's nice there's no i'm not i'm not stressed about it and i'm you know can continue regularly signing new clients like i so far in the month of may we've signed four new clients you know as of friday we had four new clients that we'd already signed awesome so that's pretty good so i'm you know nice work Plugging along with that. Um, and what else is happening in my world? I'm just, you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm all work and no fun right now. And I know you can relate. Yep. <laughs> but it, it, it's it, it's good stuff. No com- no complaints on this side. Learning a lot. Getting ready to, um, and I guess we can talk about it when Callie is on the show on the 9th. Um, because by then we will have done it. As you know, we're... Um, Callie, we're doing a collaboration with Callie, a, a mastermind collaboration on building an audience. I'm pretty excited about that. That's going to be very interesting. Um, we'll do, you know, it's just a four week. It's a very quick, short duration thing, but I'm really helping. We've got know a lot of people that struggle with building an audience who will buy anything from them. So we're going to focus just on that one thing. That sounds interesting. Yeah. 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 It'll be, it'll be good. And and the funny thing is, it sounds like uh, you know, like, uh, this is all news to me because it kind of is. Well, we t- we talked about <laughs> I know this. we talked about the collaboration, but yeah, I'm like interviewing. I'm like, oh, that's good for you, Julie. I'm like, wait, this is also my business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we. What did you say about interviewing? I said it sounds like I'm interviewing you. Oh, uh, like about your business, right? Yeah. And it is. It's also your yeah, business. But I have not been a part of it for. I haven't been uh, in the day to day participating in the day to day for quite a while now. Yeah, but you'll get back to it eventually. Eventually, yeah. we're, we're it'll be here. It'll be here waiting for you, and we will welcome you back mm-hmm. when you are ready and you have some some bandwidth for it. I think you'll. You know how like they say like when you have one kid, it's just like so much work, and then you have a second one, and it gets a little bit easier because they can kind of you know enjoy each other's company and then get a third one and it's even easier. Well, I guess, you know, we could ask your family members if that's true, but 
I think when you get a second restaurant and a third restaurant, you'll actually have more time for SBPs. Sure. Because I'll have more people. Yes. And, you'll have like a general manager. Or and something. people's always the problem. That, I mean, in, in most businesses. In life. In life, in general, <laughs> yes. But, but definitely in the service industry, having like people who you can count on who are reliable are the issue. And it, it's, it's an interesting thing, like as a business owner where you have to, or just even a manager where you have to balance between like doing the right thing and, and uh, managing your business and making time for yourself, et cetera. Like I was talking to the kitchen manager and he's just fed up with his morning dishwashers. And I was like, man, I can't wait to, uh, have dishwashers to be fed up with no oh the your kitchen manager yeah, yeah oh okay yeah. okay and you know he's just fed up with the dishwasher i'm fed up with them too like one of them called out this weekend both days the other one uh he got five wisdom teeth pulled you only have four i know but his mom called and said he was getting five wisdom teeth pulled and i, I mean there's weird shit out there so maybe he does have did have five anyway um could you find out for us where that fifth wisdom tooth was please and report back i think i think it's possible i have another one behind like yeah like you got two loaded in there and i know someone we can ask i know too (laughs) but anyway um yeah so so had no dishwashers morning dishwashers over the weekend and the kitchen manager was just like you know fed up and i was like i can't wait till we can find somebody so we can get rid of him he's like i'm probably just gonna get rid of him beforehand and i'm like on one hand yeah you, you should probably should but on the other hand if they're even doing some work to help alleviate you, you know, your workload in the meantime, is it worth it? And then you have to balance that. But we're, we're so new and everybody thinks that they're uh, irreplaceable right now that I think it's going to be a good maneuver to make an example of them in front of everybody. Normally you don't want to do that in front of everybody, public but, firing. but there will be a public firing to just let everybody know that you are replaceable and that you are the boss. Yes, exactly. I will not be held hostage in my own restaurant by my employees. I will shut down for lunches. I will limit hours. I will do everything I need to do to let them know that they're replaceable. I love you guys, though. (laughs) No shot any of them listen to this radio (laughs) show. That's true. No shot at all. But, you know, you got to it's it's a solid move, right? Because one, you want to. Well, you know, make sure people know I'm, I'm the fucking boss and don't forget it. But also, you know, you want to have it. The thing that people forget about a lot of times is that, you know, a dishwasher, one person calling out sick when you're running a well-oiled machine disrupts the entire machine, right? So you are actually making a statement of how committed you are to the culture of the restaurant, and to everybody having a good work experience, a positive experience, by firing somebody who's like a you know consistent call out or a lazy motherfucker, like that's that you're people will be like, oh, you're mean. But the reality is, the spin on that that people often don't think about is you're doing it for the betterment of the team. So there you go. Now, do you feel better about yourself? No, I didn't feel bad about. I myself. know you didn't. I mean, that's just. <laughs> You, you you run a business for long enough and you just kind of become dead inside to certain things like that. Like, <laughs> it's just. Yes, you're actually, I was, so, you know, last night I did a, I was doing sort of a, you know, 
I don't know what you call it. Like, I guess, you know how you and I would used to have meetings to sit down and hash out details on like something, we a program or something we were going to launch, right? So Callie and I did that last night. And um, Callie, he's, he's, he was talking about, I don't know, some kind of, some book that he was reading and he was recommending it to me and he's talking about, you know, there's math and science involved and it's about the importance of like language and all these like things on there. And I was like, that sounds like something that Corey would read, not me. And he goes, actually, it is a lot like Corey. It makes you a little more robotic. There's no emotion. Like you're just very logical and moving. F- yeah. Yeah. This is actually Corey might've read this book already. I started laughing. I'm like, it's possible, man. But man, do people know you? Yep. Yeah. Well, Hey, let's talk a little bit about the importance of, well, first off, what do you, what do you think it means to follow your calling, if you will. I want to get into a little bit of the conversation that we're going to have when Stephanie joins us. And I'm super excited about the conversation with Stephanie because we are, she has a big golf event coming up, a charity event on the 8th. So next week and um, SB Pace and Cabo are sponsors of that event. And so they're, you know, we are, and we're excited and proud to be sponsors of that event and support such an important nonprofit and um, charity for families with sick kids. But, you know, when, when she comes on, she will tell her founder's story and you'll see that it's, it's a calling. And so Corey, you've not yet had the privilege of hearing it. I have heard it already, but literally after I heard it, I was like, God, take all our money. Like, do you need more money? So I am, I'm curious. Do you think that there is, you know, that sometimes we are called, we are, we are called upon to do something that is our, that's a calling for us. And there's just no way to walk away from it. Even if we wanted to, um, who's doing the calling? The universe. Okay. Um, I think your answer is no, just based on your hesitation. Well, yes, to a degree, because I don't believe in things like karma or. I'm going to tell you a story later that's going to change your mind. God. Or I know like you don't any believe kind in of God. like higher power, but I, I do think, I mean, in terms of uh, you have like millions of random events occurring throughout the universe, throughout your life or whatever. And the fact that like two things can randomly bump up against each other and it seems like, Oh shit, this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. That's, that's totally like real. I don't think that it's like planned or fate or destiny or or anything like that. But like, like, is it possible for you to just be in the right situation at the right time to that something clicks and, and it's everything just kind of falls into place. Sure. So from that perspective, yes, I believe in callings. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, like people, like based upon your personality, based upon your background, et cetera, there, like there are just certain things that, that click for you. Like for instance, I mean, restaurants are in my blood. It's just something that I kind of fell into because I needed money. And it turned out to be that this was something that, that clicks. It works well with my personality. It works well with my work ethic, my, uh, just everything. So for me, like it's like, is our restaurants, my calling? No, but like, so the, the, the personality part is the part where it, it, I'm, I'm conflicted over this, right? Because you're not a people person. You don't actually really 
you hate socializing. Yes and no, but I mean, if I'm making money and socializing happens to be a part of having to make money, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, like, like it's, I, I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't, but, I like, I like socializing with certain people. Like if you were to put me into a random network group and say, Hey, you've never met these people have fun. It would be the most miserable thing in my life. But like, not the most miserable thing I can think of at least like two things that'd be more miserable than that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but if you're like in a situation where like it, it's like with your coworkers in a restaurant, like it's, uh, it's there or a, your coworkers at SB pace. Yeah. Well, we don't, you know, I haven't seen you in months, so um, I know we're going to talk yeah. about that too. Yeah. But, um, but this is completely different. I'm just saying like in an office setting going out, like, like it, it's a different type of environment and like it, it, it's the, there's a social aspect to the restaurants and I do enjoy that social aspect to the restaurants and um, be, you know, cause it's like you spend all of this time getting your ass kicked, having to wash dishes all day because your dishwasher, you know, called out mm-hmm. and like, and cook the food and run the food and bust the tables and make the drinks and literally do every fucking job in the restaurant because you're shorthanded. Um, and at the end of the day, there's just the, like, you sit back and reflect with, you know, a couple of people who are hanging out to be like, yeah, let's have a beer and just shoot the shit. Because, like, we just we just collectively got our ass kicked and we, we made it through and we did it well. You know, th- there's that part of, of that. Right. But anyway, we're way off callings. Yeah, you don't believe in them. I think that's where we landed, is that you think, no, it's not really a thing. It's... You know, it's a, uh, it's just random events bumping up against each other. Is I'm, I think what you said. Well, yeah, but it's the the series of events or, or or circumstances that can align for a person. I don't think that everybody has a calling. I, it's like, or they could, but it's just it just so happens all of the random things didn't align in a way that they were able to figure it out. I think most people don't ever discover what it is because I think. And this is going to be hurtful for a lot of people. I think 99% of people just settle with almost everything in their lives. 100% They settle. So they never have the opportunity to even really find out what it is. Like, and they're afraid to pursue their passions, right? They don't, there's a lot of fear in pursuing something instead of just, going for it which you know not everybody is built to like not everybody can be an entrepreneur not not everybody's built for it and some people who are being entrepreneurs should strongly reconsider and become employees but for the most part i think people settle for corporate jobs because they think it's safer and they don't ever have to worry about failing or the reason that they can't be you know the attorney that they want to be is because you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't catch the lucky breaks or they didn't, you know, they didn't have parents who had a ton of money. So they didn't couldn't go to college and get that four year degree and then law school or whatever else they need to do. Right. Instead of actually going for it and then finding out that there's not cut out for it. Sure. And the world needs uh, cogs in the machine. The world does need cogs and in the there's machine. There's nothing wrong with that because there's I mean, because uh, we're talking about like the only passion that you can have is some sort of 
form of employment or business ownership. Well, because I mean, there's some people who are just like, I fucking hate working, but this I love is a business podcast. I know what I'm saying. You know, I love working on the weekends or not working. I love hiking on the weekends or, uh, going, there's a way to turn that into money too, but not much money. Not everybody can be out there like turning their, because again, somebody has got to push some papers through corporate America and not everybody can be an entrepreneur. I would, not everybody should be an entrepreneur. I, yes, I agreed, but that's what I'm saying. Is so for some people, what seems like settling, it's I've got a job that allows me to do the things that I want to do, and and for a lot of people, like I mean, why would you want to ruin something that you love by trying to make money off of it? Why why turn a pa- like why turn your your passion into a like a chore? Well, I, I mean, I don't think that just because you, if something becomes a business, it becomes a chore. But for but for some people, it would be. It's like, sure, I just, people I just, who like, suck. But yeah, but some like maybe I just want to go fucking hiking and not have to worry about the back end. Like, oh, I got to go log this in QuickBooks and then do this. I just want to go out in the woods and 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 not not think about anything. And that's what I think. I mean, for you know, for some people, it's like, I mean, shit, I mean, yes. And then there's some people who are just their passion is sitting on their their ass and watching TV all day mm-hmm. which whatever i mean if that's your thing that's your thing that sounds like a miserable existence though I, I agree but i mean there are a lot of people who like that there are a lot of people that are like that so all right so let's talk a little bit about um supporting um small we just have a couple of minutes before we're going to go to break and then bring stephanie on so Oh, well, apparently we don't even have a couple of minutes. No, we we have one minute. So I'm not, I, I missed, I missed the cue on that. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm pulling an errand right now and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> going, you are going from four to one real quick. <laughs> yeah, you are exactly. All right. Well, what do you want to talk about with our last 30 seconds, Corey? Um, well, you know, we we should talk about supporting small business. Uh, everybody out there should, um, again, we've, we've hammered this in and been in it, it. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt to hammer it a little bit more. It's that supporting small business doesn't necessarily mean buying something from somebody. It's giving them feedback. It's giving them a testimonial. It's sharing ref- their posts, sharing their posts, referring friends. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, going that extra mile of like, Oh, I can buy this quickly on Amazon, but do I really need it tomorrow? Or can I wait? You know, little things like that. So don't forget to support small businesses out there, people. All right, we'll be right back after the break with Stephanie Becker. Hey everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. All right, welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. We are very excited to have Stephanie Becker with us. Stephanie, as we mentioned on the front end, is going to talk to us about her nonprofit, Better Together, and we are going to learn 
if a calling is a real thing or not. And I think, Corey, be prepared to have your mind changed. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thanks so much, Julie and Corey. It's good to be here. Yeah, we are We are thrilled to have you. We are um, both um, SB Pace and Cabo, our sponsors of you have an upcoming golf tournament, which actually is next Wednesday. So it's within the within the week, and we're really excited to participate in that. Um, so, it, but before we dive into you know more about everything that you're up to, you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Stephanie Becker, the executive director and co-founder of Better Together. Um, We are a local nonprofit that provides support services and resource coordination to children with rare and complex medical illnesses. Now, that sounds kind of like a niche, and it kind of is in a way. So you've probably heard of pediatric cancer and juvenile diabetes and cerebral palsy, and there's a lot of really well-known childhood illnesses out there, and with notoriety comes support. So those organizations have a great support system for the families um, of children that are battling those illnesses. But if your child has a rare illness, something that you've never heard of, maybe um, kind of the first in the city or just not well known, uh, my experience is there before Better Together, there was no support system. There was no place to turn outside of your medical team to ask those questions, to be connected with resources, to understand how this journey works as a family. Um, and so I can I can tell you a little bit more how that happened. I'd love to see if Corey does change his mind because um, it's a pretty it's a pretty impactful story. But um, yeah, so that's kind of what we do. We are the only organization that provides non medical support two kids with rare and complex medical illnesses. And as it turns out, just to give you perspective, it sounds like we're a niche organization. And while we do qualify our families based on how many specialists the child sees, which is usually five or more, imagine five or more specialists. Um, And then oftentimes they have technology that they depend on to eat, breathe, or sleep. Um, That kind of gives you an idea of who these families are. Back in 2018, when we did a little bit of research, we found that over 2,000 children in central Richmond were seeking treatment at the Children's Hospital of Richmond at VCU for a rare or complex medical illness. So this, while their illness is rare, the, the, the factor that they have one is not rare. It's incredibly prevalent. But again, without notoriety comes no support. So, yes, for all of our listeners out there, the the local is Richmond, Virginia. But my question to you is if, you know, with these these uh, illnesses that are so rare, are you working on a national scale to connect people together since there's probably only one person in Richmond who has this disease, whatever it may be? What we found, Corey, is that when a family receives a diagnosis um, of a rare illness, their focus is sort of twofold. They're working with their medical team to understand what's going on with the illness. What does it mean? What does it mean for the child? Um, What is the treatment, the protocol? Um, And then they begin looking at what does that do to their family? How does their family life have to change and how do they navigate daily life uh, here in in Richmond where they live? Um, Now I say Richmond, uh, some of these families are Fredericksburg, Petersburg, Norfolk. Um, We have tri-cities. I mean, there is a... I use the term Central Virginia. It's a little more accurate. We've got people coming from over an hour away uh, to seek treatment here in Richmond. Um, So our goal is to support them here in their daily life 
um, and connect them to a network of families that are experiencing the same journey, not the same illness. So what we do um, is not focused on diagnosis. So we're not, I mean, we're not diagnosis specific. What we say um, is that we are creating a community of like families um, because sometimes, you know, and my story began a few years ago, um, but my co-founder, her child was diagnosed with a rare lung disease, less than 40 documented cases in the country, none in Richmond. Um, her only source of support was an online Facebook forum. Super not helpful. So trying to connect her with other people that had this was less impactful than the support that we could provide her and her family right here today as their family navigated life with a medically complex child. That answers that question. That does answer that question, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I guess then, you know, the story of, of how how and why you started the, uh, your business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so uh, in 2016, um, my son Jack was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma of the kidneys. Um, out of the blue, turns out you don't get warning for something like this. He wasn't sick for months and months. We didn't bounce around from doctor to doctor. Um, we thought he had a cold for two weeks, a really bad cold. And then we thought he had the stomach bug. And the next thing you know, um, blood work landed us in the ER and complete kidney failure um, with stage four cancer. Uh, talk about crisis. Uh, it really sweeps the rug out from under your feet. And we were, our life was turned upside down in the blink of an eye, as you can imagine. At that time, um, what we found was before we even had a diagnosis, it seemed like, um, they were talking more and more about cancer. Two local nonprofits came in and started to provide support for our family, not only for Jack, which was my diagnosed child, um, as well as his twin sister, younger brother, and my husband and I. And before we knew it, we were a part of a group of families going through the same thing. Um, that support from the very beginning is what I refer back to so many times when I think about um, now that my son is year three of remission, we're living life in a much different way. We're back to quote unquote normal, whatever that is. Um, it's much different uh, because of that support. However, about the same time Jack got sick, a friend of mine, Liz Burnett, her son started to did start to get sick. They did bounce around from doctor to doctor. And then later that summer, he was diagnosed with a rare lung disease. I mentioned that earlier. Their life looked very similar, turned upside down. Um, now, the difference was no local organization came up to her and said, hey, we understand interstitial lung disease. We understand how scary this is for you and your family. We're here to support you. Didn't happen. So they experienced something so similar, and both of our kids were receiving treatment down at Children's Hospital. So we had this parallel journey, and we got to see what our life looked like with, you know, my husband and I having date nights out because one of the local organizations had a safe place for our kids to go on a Friday night for two hours. Um, they had activities. They had um access to things because Jack was not in school that he never would have, um, music therapy, art, um, just the, uh, the flying squirrels came one night and hung out with them and played games. And I mean, just neat things that he got to experience because he was a part of a group, because he was a cancer kid. I looked at Liz and their family, and while they have a great support, family and friends, 
their life looks so different. She didn't know where to turn for some basic answers. They constantly ran up against walls just with their medical team and understanding how do I do this? How do I do this? Fulfilling his needs in the school system. All of that was taken care of for us because our child had cancer. About eight months in, we looked at the disparity, this huge gap, you know, Um, here it was, we were really similar on the same path, but her family was having a much different experience than ours was. And it was simply due to support. I talk, I talk about that being a call to action. Um, when you're a mom, when you're a parent to a child going through something as scary as, is a life limiting illness, um, a life threatening illness, and you want to give them every opportunity to just be a normal kid. I mean, he was eight. He just wanted to be with his buddies and I couldn't give him that, but this organization could give him the closest thing to it. I thought, what, what would it feel like? Where would we be today if we didn't have that support system? And I was changed. I was changed. And so we started talking about how do we do something similar to the support that we're receiving as a family of, of a child with cancer for all of these families that are doing nothing. And when you talk about a call to action, I thought it was a good idea. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty busy. We were in the thick of it with, with treatment for Jack. Um, I didn't want to start a nonprofit. Like who does that? I didn't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we looked around and we said, surely someone else is doing this because, you know, no, nobody's got time for that. Um, I shouldn't say it that way. I just thought, there's got to be a resource for her. There's got to be someone else doing this. And we did our due diligence and there, there just isn't, there is nobody addressing the needs of, of medically complex kids outside the medical team. So we looked at each other and we said, I think we pretty much have to do this. We have to try. Um, Because I would go home at night feeling very different than she would go home at night. And our life looked very different. And I couldn't turn my back on that. I couldn't, I was a different person after experiencing support. So to me, that was the call to action. To me, that was the the life-changing event. Um, and honestly, I have never regretted a minute of it. Um, and even today, when I read the testimonials, I got a, an email the other day from a family. Um, I'll make you cry, Corey. I might make you cry if I oh, read it to you. I- impossible. <laughs> um, but I tell you, you know, they just spent the time to write a six par- a six-sentence paragraph that talked about how their life was different caring for their child because we were a part of it and how they didn't know that they could overcome X, Y, and Z. And because of us, they could and how meaningful it was. And I, I, I mean, and we're five, you know, five years in and I thought, this is why we do it. This is why we do it. And so, um, first of all, appreciate the story. It's a a good story. Now do you understand where I was like, how can we sponsor you? How can we help? Yes. (laughs) Um, but I think you, I think you uh, defined it better than what we did on the the front. And a call to action is yeah. definitely what it was. It's not a calling. Kind of you. I think when we talked on the phone, Stephanie, you described it as you said uh, it was more than a call to action. It is a calling. I believe was what you said. I feel that way now. I probably wouldn't have felt that way in the very beginning. In the beginning, it was a call to action. Now that I see what I'm doing. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that this is what what my life has been leading up to so far. Why I've been in sales, why I've been in marketing, why I've done all the things that I've done, um, I think has prepared me for this role because this is my calling. This is what I'm meant to do. Um, and advocating for 
for hundreds and hundreds of families that have nowhere to turn is not only a delight and a privilege, um, it's, it's critical that it's being done. Do you believe in callings now? I'm not going to get into the semantics of anything because it's going to sound like I'm diminishing what you're doing. So let's move on. (laughs) Um, You were moved by the story, though. It was a good story. And it's a great service. It it, it really is. And a much much needed one. So um, talk a little bit about what it's like to um, run a nonprofit. We've not had anybody on the show before that has actually run a nonprofit. And I think... Uh, my guess is a lot of people don't understand the complexities of what goes into that. I sure didn't. I had no idea. I thought this was going to be a hobby. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> turns out there's a lot to it. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions I had probably, but maybe other people do as well. Um, nonprofits are businesses. They're not hobbies. They're not, you know, some maybe get conducted around the kitchen table, but they're honest to God, taxpaying, non, you know, businesses. Um, yeah, we're tax exempt from a few things, but essentially a 501c3 is a business and it needs to be run like one. I think the hardest thing that we've encountered is, um, Richmond loves nonprofits and, um, people get a good idea and they start a nonprofit and it's, it's so great because there's so many, it's great because there's people that have a heart for giving back and they find a need in the community, um, and they want to fill it. The negative side is that we're not stronger independently, hence our name, Better Together. What what is one of the hardest things is is breaking through the noise of, you know, the other 100 and 200 nonprofits. We're all doing good work. What I'd love to see is more nonprofits or people with good ideas look at what's going on and say, how can I take my idea and dovetail it into an existing nonprofit? How can I, and when people come to me for advice, um, you know, oh, Stephanie started a nonprofit, let's send, you know, people to her for advice. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you not to do it because people told us not to do it. I'm not going to tell you not to do it, but how can you deliver your service or message or mission in a more strong uh, and intentional way by going in with someone else? You know, um, that's the hardest part is that, well, I think we have a great story rising above the noise in Richmond, and I call it noise. It's just a lot of people talking about great work. Um, it's hard to break through. It's hard to be um, so different. While we're the only organization doing what we're doing, it's still hard to break through, you know, organizations doing phenomenal things for 15, 20, 30, 50 years, you know, um, and it's hard to get donors to say, if you've been a donor to an organization, think about how your money is working there. And is that really the way you want your money to work? Are you feeding into a national organization that gets millions of dollars of funding from national sources? Or do you want to impact our, our community where we live and work and our kids are playing in the backyard? You know, um, it, it's just delivering that message. And, uh, I have some experience, not personal experience, but people I've known and, and uh, when I was in grad school uh, doing uh, talking about nonprofits and the way that it was explained to me, which made kind of, you know, made a lot of sense because I come from a for-profit background. 
Um, and it's the, you know, when you're talking about the competition, your competition is every other nonprofit basically. Yeah. Like, and the, there's a somewhat finite amount of money out there for nonprofits to like, you're all competing for that same money. And it's, it's, it's kind of shitty to think about it, but you're like, you're like, okay, cool. We're helping cancer patients. And they're like, yeah, but we're helping dogs and we're helping. And it's like, yeah, well, like, like trying to say that you're more important than somebody right. else's. It's, it's, yeah, it's tough. Um, but I want to get into uh, the other part of it because it is a business, which means you need employees. Um, but because you're a nonprofit, you can't necessarily pay the same, you know, you can't compete against big businesses. So how does, uh, how has that been um, trying to find people to actually help run the nonprofit? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we first got started, um, you know, you're, have to have a board of directors. And I did realize pretty quickly, um, took tons of online classes, just really tried to equip myself with what it takes to run a nonprofit, still learning, haven't figured it all out. So don't, don't let me kid you. Um, (laughs) but what I learned was that I don't know it all. I don't really know much of it. Um, but there's a lot of smart people around here that do. So I tried to build a board, um, that helps steer our organization because really the board is the lifeline of your organization. They're the ones that are your advocates in the community. They're the ones that drive connections and funding. Um, so we tried to build a great board and it was, it was expected from the very beginning. You're going to have to like help run our programs, um, it became clear that we not only had the funding, but needed to start paying um, salary, you know, to employees. And so we started with um, my role because, again, my hobby just turned into a 60 hour a week job. And I wasn't going to be able to sustain that if I didn't have income. I'm flat out honest. Um, so we started at 10 hours a week. I was paid 10 hours a week or working 60 plus. Um, But then it became clear we did need staff. So we started um, just with with part-time, 20 hours a week for resource coordination, 20 hours a week, um, and and that's all we did. Um, What I have found that has been one of the most beneficial things to starting a nonprofit is uncovering people in our community that have a heart for giving back. I never knew there were people that said, hey, what you're doing matters to me. I want to be a part of it. And yeah, you know, I do need to get paid, but what you're doing matters more than a giant paycheck that I could get if I work for a for-profit company. So I've been lucky and able to find people we're only part-time. I make no promises that it's, you know, I'm going to have full-time and benefits next year, but um, we've been able to find people that are willing to work part-time. They do a fantastic job because they care about what we're doing. So these are mission-oriented people. And let me tell you, Corey, they are wildly different than corporate America. (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine so because that's, uh, we've talked about this numerous times, but it's just hiring for your culture. And and, like I've, I've seen it in all the different industries that I've worked in where it's just like, there are certain types of people who are attracted to certain, you know, yeah. and even in like subsets of certain industries. So yeah, I mean, there are these people out there and that's great that you're able to, to find them. Um, what about uh, like the leadership roles though? The, the, the roles that should be higher paying, you know, like a, a CFO or, or anything like that. We're still young enough that um, we haven't had to encounter those types of uh, decisions yet. I'm currently the executive director um, and I get paid part-time because I want as much money going into the organization as possible. 
the vision of the organization will ultimately be to grow um, and have full-time paid positions. Our board, though, uh, I mean, going back to that, um, they're not CFO, but our, we have a treasurer and you know a president of the board and VP, and they're all non-paid, um, but they serve a tremendous leadership uh, position. So I think that's just the culture of a nonprofit. Um, and I ask, you know, I ask nonprofits all the time, hey, is this paid? Is it? And, and a lot of the small nonprofits, now you get these big national nonprofits and yeah, they'll pay, they'll pay their board president, they'll pay, you know, um, the executive leadership, but the small nonprofits, I think people get into it knowing that it's, it's pure volunteerism. So, um, our goal is as we grow the organization, it's multifaceted. We've got to grow our, uh, foundationally. You know, staffing, leadership, like you said, um, I'm not going to be the best person to lead this organization forever. I'd love to pull in, you know, someone that um, really could take us to the next level uh, as soon as we can. Nice. Um, what do you, how, how can people help best support what you're doing? I love that question. Um, and really there's, there's three avenues. Um the very first one is the undeniable funding. If what I've said resonates with people, um, make a donation, become a monthly donor, um, $25 a month. Like they say on TV, it's shocking what that'll do for a family here in Richmond. Um, it's meaningful cash contributions are meaningful. Um, we're growing our board. You know, we are looking for that leadership. We are looking for those connections. So, um, if board leadership uh, or being on a board, excuse me, is is a direction people want to see how they can imp- directly impact the community. And that's what I love about a small nonprofit is that you see the work you put in, you see it come out. Absolutely. Um, and we can't deny the need for volunteers. We run our programs with volunteers. So we've got some events coming up this summer. Um, we've got some activities, just programs that we would love people to join our committees. So we've got information on our website. Um, but first and foremost, we should all play golf on June 8th together. So I'd love to see people um, say, hey, let me find out more about this organization and take off Wednesday, June 8th and come to Meadowbrook. And uh, maybe their company could sponsor a foursome. They can't play, but but do they care about us enough to say, hey, let's let me send four of my folks out to um, to do something good today. I love that idea. Get get as many people out there as possible to participate in the golf and have a sure. day of fun. Um, are do, what other kinds of events do you have coming up? So we, uh, for our families, we have a summer bash series where we're going to hold an event in June, July, and August. Um, the links will be on our website uh, by the time this airs next week. Uh, to sign up, we we need donations for those things. We also need volunteers. Um, one of the biggest things that we've got coming up in the fall is going to be our 5K that's being held at Performance Food Group on October 29th. Mark your calendar. It's going to be a not to miss event because it is a Halloween themed 5K where you get to dress up and um, have a lot of fun. So it's going to be a great event. Out in West Creek. That's right. Yeah, it's was, flat. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. And I was, sort of. I was hoping that it was West Creek and not the warehouse because that's not, no. it's not a very yeah. good area. You, you, I, don't know <laughs> yeah. if, I don't know if I told you this. Corey and I both used to work for, for, for performance. 
You told yes, you told me y'all, that's where y'all met. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I love it. I, I needed to tell you that. And you know what? If running and walking is, is tough, you just followed up with a trip down the street to a brewery. So Our we've got brilliant. it all figured out for you. <laughs> I love it. Excellent. All right. Well, we are running short on time. Um, Stephanie, where can everyone find you so that they can go check out the organization and donate or look at becoming part of your board or volunteering in some way? Um, and people from all over the country can certainly donate, donate money. That, that sounds like every, we know every penny helps. So, um, where can people find you? So better together is the word better. It's the number two, two of us started it, uh, better, the number two gather, G-E-T-H-E-R-R-V-A.org. So it's better together, R-V-A.org can get all your information there on golf. Um, summer bash series will be posted as well and, and contact me with questions. We will. And definitely looking forward to, uh, that golf tournament. Hopefully I'll be able to actually play in the tournament, but. I hope so. You got to talk up the fish tacos, Corey. <laughs> That's why I might not be able to make it because I'll be making fish tacos. But, <laughs> but what? Yeah. No samples on the course? Oh, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, they'll have to just come to the come to the restaurant afterwards. There you um, go. But yeah, thanks again, uh, Stephanie, for joining, and thank you to all of our listeners. We uh, appreciated the time today and the story, and we'll bring you back on to debate callings later. Um, but uh, yeah. I would love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, that was it for uh, Defeat the Chaos this week. Uh, you can check out us on the internet over at SB, sbpace.com. <laughs> Everything that you need to know is is out there on the internet, uh, including all the ways that you can support us, a for-profit business. Exactly. All right. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Thanks, Thank listeners. Thanks for having me, Corey and Julie. Hey everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live, so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time.